This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, after fine festive fair, United prepare for Rangers. And the heat is on at Dens Park, and that's not all bad news. Hello, and welcome to Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. And podcasting alongside me for the first time in 2023 are George Cran. Hello. Graham Finnan. Happy New Year, everyone. And back from doing much more important things over the last few weeks, Alan Temple. Hello, Tim. Lovely to be back and Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, Happy New Year to both our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's three. So, a new year, a new hope, it's like Star Wars, new hope <laughs> for uh, at least one of our teams. United, as predicted by someone on this panel, I have to say. That was in the past, that was last year, doesn't count. <laughs> They've set themselves on the road to recovery, Alan. Great festive season for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's seven points from a possible nine is exactly what they would have wanted coming back from this break. I mean, I think just prior to the World Cup hiatus, there were signs of improvement. I realise that it's sometimes probably hard to tell supporters that when it's been a hellish first half of the season, still bottom of the league, and you know, trying to say, oh, well, you might not have won that game, but come on, you can see that you're getting slightly better. It's, it's maybe hard for them to take. So you could you could understand why there was a bit of resistance to suggestions that they were improving, but results are now starting to bear out that progress that was being made in terms of shape, being hard to score against, being a little bit more creative going forward. And it's been a really positive three games, but I mean... Beyond that, it's been a really positive 11 games when we did a piece for the paper this week and United are fourth in the form table over the last 11 games. That is not an inconsequential sample size. That's the equivalent of an entire round of fixtures in the Premiership. So the signs of resurgence are there, but I guess it just sums up just how poor the start of the season was that they are still firmly, firmly in trouble and there will be a sense of perspective in terms of not allowing all this good work to go to waste, but as well as being fourth in that form table, they've obviously, over that 11 games, have conceded the fewest goals in the league, which is an amazing turnaround as well. So it's been a really positive, not only three games, but a little bit longer than that, and it's just about keeping that momentum up. But for as poor as St Johnston were uh, at the weekend, uh, Dundee United were professional, controlled the game, and eventually got a deserved winner wasn't a classic. St Johnston were dreadful, and that's a, a conversation for, an, another, for, for another podcast to be more focused on St Johnston, I would suggest. But uh, Dundee United did their job and got what is a really, really pivotal, pivotal three points because that was their first away win in the Premiership this season. And given that focus on picking up points at home, Rangers and Celtic are up next at home. So they really needed that victory on the road, really needed that victory. Yeah, Bear, as, as Alan says, there were signs before the World Cup break in terms of level of performance that there was an improvement mm. there. But Liam Fox will be delighted that the last three games have turned that into points. Yeah, because I'll tell you why, Tom, because these were massively big pressure, high pressure games. Yeah. And they've managed to they've managed to come through that. And let's be honest, we've got seven points out of nine, but they were within a whisker of getting nine out of nine. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, Dodgy pen. He'll be absolutely thrilled to bits, you know, with those points, the way the team is playing. Um, you know, they are still in a precarious position. Let, let's not beat about the bush here. You know, Ross County are up on Saturday. They've got Livingston at home, so they will be looking desperately to get three points here, and that would squeeze everything up. But what United have done, if you look at that table, they've brought everybody else back in, and I would suggest... You know, anyone from St Mirren down now, I mean, the lobby, most of these teams, the first thing they set out to do is avoid relegation. And I think that was out of their minds before Christmas when United were, were really struggling. But United have squeezed the table right up now. And the worrying thing for the other teams is United are the forum team in yeah. the bottom six and are moving in the right direction. I think one of the, 
there's been quite a lot, a number of pluses for Dundee United. One of the biggest things this time, the last two games, clean sheets, because that gives you a platform. That that's a that, that's a passport to safety. Yeah. Um, it's all also give the goalkeeper. Fourth place was yeah. built on that last yeah. season, wasn't it? Well, that, that the result, result uh, there against it, Johnston is smacked of United of old. You know, a game where there's maybe not not a lot of harm. The opposition aren't doing very much, but United managed to find that goal that turns one point into three. And the big players we, we talked about have stepped up. Stephen Fletcher stepped up. Um, Tony Watt has stepped up, and they need a bit more of that. But the team seems to be functioning really well, and it must be quite a quite a confident camp at this point in time that they've managed to get themselves off the foot of the table and as I say they are in, are in form and even with these big games coming up you would expect more points to be accrued if they keep playing the way they're playing Yeah George Bear just mentioned Tony Watt stepped up he might step out <laughs> as his be- Betch might step out as well Ryan Ryan Edwards according to your notes contract discussions on hold but it's what we, we say time and again. The conversation about a club dic- is dictated by what happens on the pitch. We're not talking about, oh, are United going to go off the bottom of the league? Are mm-hmm. United going to go down this season? As soon as it, when teams start lift, p- picking up wins, you start speaking about other things. Teams are suddenly interested in, in, in some of their players because they're doing well. Yeah, and, that, and that's always a. I'd always take that as a compliment. Yeah, I mean, I that, know that's fans what don't I, want it, I mean, you don't want players to leave. Unless the manager wants rid of, pl- yeah. rid of them, I mean specifically, I mean we know for certain that he doesn't want rid of Betch. But it's just it's, it's nice that, that people are talking about something positive. Yeah. A player's playing well. Can we keep him? Then there's another story that we've talked about a lot. The goalkeeper situation seems to have died down with a couple of clean mm-hmm. sheets. All done. Mark Berrigiti, no harm at all. I think as as well. That's. That's huge. Just as Ben Alan mentioned, Tempo I always said there was a goalkeeper in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He made us absolutely stunning late save uh, at McDermott Park, um, near plo- uh, near post, close range shot. Got a fingertip on it. Great reflexes, and as his hitch managed to clear it off the line as it sort of trickled. But it was a fantastic save. You wouldn't have thought twice if that had nestled in the corner, but he managed to get down to it. And yeah, it's a funny one with Mark Birigeti because he's not made a whole host of brilliant saves, but he just looks a little bit more comfortable. You know? yeah. it's like just getting work yeah. on the training ground or whether he's had a wee break to clear his mind. or The the things that gave you the fear about Birigiti mm-hmm. were often intangible. You just It was a feeling, it was his movement, it was his it was demeanour, maybe the demeanour of the defenders in front of him. It was sometimes things that were a wee bit hard to pin down exactly why. And similarly, now that he's looking a bit more confident, you feel a bit more confident in them and you can't exactly pin down why. You know, it's a funny thing with goalkeepers. Sometimes it's just a feeling. It can be a bit intangible. It's the way they're carrying themselves and the way their uh, defenders are carrying themselves in front of them and it just, it looks a lot more solid. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking here, it's it's a funny thing with football in general that when when strikers aren't scoring, people like us go, that puts puts pressure on the defence. When the defence is leaking goals, what often go, that puts pressure on the strikers. But we never really say when the defence, which United for a while there couldn't defend crosses to save their life. Dracula was better at crosses <laughs> than, than United's defence for a while. But we never actually turn around and say, that puts a lot of pressure on goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Did you used to find that when you were playing Bear that if the defence is rubbish, you, you knew you were going to have to make well, the saves? it's a unit. Uh-huh. As, as a unit, you, you work together, you know, and if you've got two centre-halves that are winning every single ball in the air, it means you don't have to come... And, it, and go for balls that maybe you wouldn't normally go for. The other side of the coin is, if your defenders aren't winning the ball in the air, it forces you to come off your line yeah. for it just about everything time and get something on it. And it, when it, when it, in games like that, when I was playing, if you were having to come off your line mode, the first thing you would say to your two defenders, look, I'm, I'm coming here. If this ball's anywhere near me, I'll be coming. So you tuck in behind me and get, Aye. you know, and you need to work as, as a unit. But United's defence seems to be functioning really well at this point, and they have done in the past. Uh, and it just breeds confidence right right through the team. And as I say, you know, I didn't worry so much about the strikers no scoring, obviously, at the back, because you always felt that even if you're keeping it tight at the back, the strikers don't have to score. One of your yeah. defenders could nick mm-hmm. a goal from a yeah. set play. One of your midfielders could lash one in from 20 yards. That's what happened last season, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. And, oh. and that's, that's why United can get themselves away from this. We always felt they had the players to do that. There was no doubt they had the players, but the, the first four or five months of the season were an absolute disaster for yeah. United, on and off the park. 
and results were affected. But Liam Fox has studied this shit. As Alan said, you know, you saw the signs, you saw the grassroots of, of improvement and before Christmas, and now we're reaping that with points. And you need to get the head down. They're still in a precarious position, but if they can keep it going, they'll, they'll start putting distance between themselves and, that, and the foot of that tail, I'm sure of it. Mm. Just to touch on something Tam mentioned earlier, going into that section on the, the Tony Watt interest, it's a, it is a, a fascinating one, that, because he was terrific at McDermott Park playing as a striker. And see when Tony's played as a number nine for Dundee mm. United, he's tended to score goals. And his you know modest goal tally is reflective of how rarely he has played as a number nine. And I guess that's the... The quandary is his best position is as a number nine. Dundee United play one central striker at the moment. Stephen Fletcher is marginally better at that than Tony Watt, and that's no criticism of Tony Watt. That is reflective of just how good Stephen Fletcher is, you know, proven Scotland international English Premier League striker. So, um, so you then have the question of can you afford to have somebody that's you know, on the money that Tony Watt is on at the at the football club, which isn't pie in the sky figures that have been bandied about, but it is a ha- on the higher end of Dundee United's wage bill f- to play as a backup to be a backup number nine. So the other thing about Tony Watt, and this is no criticism of him, it, it, it strikes me looking at his career. And I mean, I like him as a player, but he doesn't seem to be a, a backup player. He seems to be a boy who, quite amicably, usually. If he's not in the team, he's thought as, okay, I'll go somewhere else. Well, he wants to play football. He, yeah. he wants to be the main man. He thinks he's good enough to be the main man. And he is a very, very talented footballer who can do good things on his day. And there's your danger for Dundee United. You say to yourself, he's probably on, you know, he's probably too high profile to be a backup striker. You can probably, you want a, a different level to be you know, somebody that can come in for Stephen Fletcher when needed, but won't necessarily rock the boat or, or you know, be um, on the same level but if you let Tony Watt go what do you then do you know they need to have somebody yeah. that because it, it's it does strike me as he's, no, he's, he's not a Divokarigi if you like mm-hmm. he's no a boy that thinks oh well I'll sit and if it takes a year until I get my chance you can't go into a relegation battle with Sadat and Aku as your only backup yeah, as, as I, a recognised number nine if he's going to leave they need someone because the Sadat Anaku could very well be a talented player, but we don't know that. He has not scored a goal for Dundee United yet. So that you're taking a huge risk. So if they let Tony go to Salford, and I can see the the positives to that financially, they also need to make sure they've got somebody lined up because yeah. that would be such a, a, a risky move yeah. to let him go if you didn't have a backup lined up. But I, by the same token, I could understand why a move could potentially suit United and Tony in the mm. right circumstances. But kind of banking on if they do that as well that Stephen Fletcher's going to be fit all season. Exactly. He's the wrong, yeah. wrong end of his career for that kind yeah, of... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of miles on Stephen's legs. Yeah. You know, it's, it, he's a really, really fit guy. There's this perception that, oh, if you're 36-year-old, mm. you know, it's <laughs> the clock's ticking, you're in. But Stephen Fletcher's an unbelievable nick. However... Mm-hmm. There's miles on the yeah. clock. That's yeah, what it is. Great as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I've always been a big fan of it. I used to get criticised quite a lot of it, being Scotland's choice as a striker, which I always found really strange because he was their best all-round striker for a long time. And I think we missed him when he, when he kind of fell out of the team. He's a, great, a, strange he's a very, way, very good footballer. I think, yeah, I think he's excellent. All-round striker. I think... Th- there's no real side of his game, would you say, that's a weakness in terms of number nine? When, when Stephen Fletcher is fully fit at 100%, he is one of the best strikers in Scotland. Yeah, it's, I think so too. And by, it's by a country mile. He's a, he's, a, he's a man that's playing for Dundee United because he wanted to come back up to Scotland. Mm. That is the only reason. He turned down five figures a week at Huddersfield um, last summer. He could still be playing in the English Championship. He's good enough. Um you know, a host of Premier League experience, played for Marseille, all the caps for Scotland. Forgot about Marseille. He is a top, top, so, top yeah. player, but, but you'll not get 30 games no, at that not, 100% out of no, him. You're no, not. that's a big call because he's not going to play every single game between now and the end of the season. No. And you wouldn't expect the manager to do that. So they've got to have yeah. someone else. Now, you're talking to Tony Watt. What's Tony Watt over the next couple of games? If he scores another couple of goals, he's a streaky type player. Yeah. If he's on a run, Aye. it could be beneficial to United just to keep him yeah. over the next three or four months because those if he if he goes in and, and bags maybe you know six six to ten goals between now and the end of the season, that could make the difference between United being involved in a scrap at the end of the yeah. season and maybe even pushing for a top six spot, you know. 
So it's a big call f- for the club, but you can understand the finances and everything. There's a lot, lot of questions to be answered. That's, I mean, that's a good point as well because it could come down to you know the club will want to um, go into the second half of the season with a, a sensible wages to turnover ratio that's probably gone up from what it was at the last set of accounts. You know, with some of the signs mm-hmm. they made after the qualification for Europe, and you know, there's probably a desire to redress that whether through incoming transfer fees or getting people off the wage bill. So, if that can happen with Tony still at the club, and you would look at maybe that could happen via, say, banking a fee for someone like Aziz Behic or a Rory McLeod, for example, um, then perhaps there could be scope to, to keep Tony Watt. And uh, it's all, you know, your typical January machinations. So um, it will be, you know, interesting to see how that all pans out. But at the moment, it would certainly seem that, you know, well, in fact, it doesn't seem it absolutely is that the Salford interest is very, very firm. And... Um, It'll be interesting to see whether Tony's even is a, but is it, still a United is this, player. Is it not a case? I mean, Tony has, has still got a, a quite a bit on his contract to go to Tarley, so he's only two been, years. Yeah, yeah. so it's I mean, a year, eh? I'd have to, for, for a deal at Salford for him to move, it would have to be a, a decent deal. He is, I mean, you're saying it's not the money that's getting getting talked about at Tony John, but it is a substantial contract. Mm-hmm. And he's also got two years left on it, so. You know, what's what Salford going to offer? I suppose they, they have got the capacity down here to go and give them someone that would offer them a wee bit more than that. It just shows the state of play in England compared to Scotland. Mm. But he, is, he, he has still got two years left. So, I mean, Tony's a, Tony's a, a shrewd sort of guy and he'll not move unless the move is absolutely bang on for him, that's for sure. Nor should he. There's no, no there's no, no, you know, there's no loyalty no. on either no. side of football. So yeah, uh, players, players need to look after themselves. I mean, it's a funny one. There'll be people listening to this thinking, "What's the focus on Tony Watt for mm-hmm. when Betch has been linked to a move and his star's shining much more brightly?" But to reminisce, like I like to do, I go back to in Jim McLean's time. Latterly, he was looking for a right back for two or three years, and he used to say, "If I get a good right back at a reasonable price, I'll sign them." But if not, I've got two international midfielders and mm-hmm. Dave Bowman and Jim McAnally who can both play right back. A lot of play I mean, in the modern game, there are huge attacking weapon fullbacks or wingbacks. But equally, you can't say, well, I can stick someone in there that can defend and will make do. Yeah. But what you can't do, as you've said, Alan, is not have two good strikers for your team because that can really cost you. I would also say it's the reason there's a, a degree more focus is the the interest in Tony Watt is concrete and confirmed, you know, on our end. Whereas the Aziz Behic stuff, um, every link is coming from Turkey, and it could very well be that Galatasaray are, you know, briefing their media sources over there. I, I'm not sure, but um, when we last checked, Dundee United have not received a transfer no. bid for Aziz Behic from Galatasaray. That is absolutely definitive. Whether one might come, and as I say, it's, there's a lot of noise over in Turkey at the moment, which would suggest that maybe Galatasaray are talking to their favourite journalists. But, um, uh, you know, the, at the moment he's a Dundee United player and you'd expect him to be in the team um, uh, when they face Rangers this weekend. But if he was to go, it would be disappointing from a playing perspective because he is a, a turned into a fine player for Dundee United and you saw at the World Cup the, the quality that he has but from a financial perspective it would not be a bad deal at all no, he's no. arrived on a free transfer the FIFA compensation scheme has paid a chunk of his wages for his time <laughs> at the World that, Cup yeah. Yeah. and could they could they, and they could bank six figures for him because he's because they were bright enough to stick him on a two year deal which was questioned at the time because he's 31 years old so uh, that could very well prove to be a decent mm-hmm. bit of business and although um, they might not have set the heather alight it wouldn't leave them in a crisis in the left wing back position as they do have Omari Niskanen and, and Scott McMahon who can both play in that position while they look for you know potential reinforcements so I really, really like Aziz Behic as a player. I would love him to stay for the remainder of the season, but I think if this interest does properly prevail from Turkey, then it might be sensible to sell him on because that could be a lovely wee bit of business as a sort of almost like flipping a house, you know. <laughs> Pretty much. What done. How many games has he played? Is he in double figures? Yeah, yeah he's in double figures, but I mean, he would be just in double. I mean, a per- first half of the season, couple of years, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're probably looking at about you know, 16, 17 games. Yes. For Dundee United. So, the United coped fine without him before, yep. and then they've coped fine when he hasn't been there this season. So, as good, as good a player as he is, 
it's not mm-hmm. like a, it's, it's it's not like it's been a crucial part of the team for for seasons upon seasons, and it would be really tough to to fill that gap. So I, th- I think yeah, if, if there's money on the table, I think United would take it somehow. And I'm for for him to go to Galatasaray, obviously a huge huge club as well. That'd, mm-hmm. that'd be massive. I know they're they're not doing great this season, but massive club for him. I'm just interested that the inference that I took from what Alan was talking about that there's clubs out there that leak stories about interesting <laughs> players and then if it then if it doesn't happen, they say, Well we never we never said anything. We never made that surely doesn't happen in football, does it? <laughs> surely only surely there are not unscrupulous clubs and managers who leak stories to the yeah. press and then at a later date say well that was newspaper talk and let the press and the ah, media take s- the blame speculation yeah. Yeah. That's a, inverted ah. commas speculation I know it only happens in Turkey that's it's alright it's alright we, yeah. we'll take yeah. the heat and we'll 30 years <laughs> in the job it never happened to me more than 4 or 5 times a season yeah. <laughs> as well as that you've never got the transfer window open which is always always a good month for a bit of speculation George yeah. isn't it mm-hmm. we'll love a bit of that we'll love a bit of that Moving on to the other name I mentioned, Ryan Edwards, his contract discussion's on hold. Nah. Get it done. <laughs> You're staying up. You, you want a message from him. He's a leader of the team. You want him saying, I don't need to put this on hold because I know where I'm playing with Dundee United next season. Well, in fairness, his point was the contracts are on hold from the club's perspective. <laughs> um, actually, you know, it's the first time because, you know, there was so much on during the first half of the he season. He would say that. From the first half of the season, so much was on. There was so much um, disappointment in terms of how the team were performing and the individuals were performing that it would have been churlish to ask about the prospects of getting a new deal to any of these boys and they would have they would say exactly the same thing so it was the first time chance to really sit down and, and discuss that sort of thing with, with Ryan and he was you know absolutely fulsome in how much he still loves life in Dundee you know loves being the captain of this football Who club doesn't? and he you know he genuinely he has um, become you know a, a, a well Kent facing in the club and an important player and is you know is happy and settled in Scotland with his family so if a contract is on the table and it's you know obviously in the right terms for, for him and his family then I could absolutely see him staying and he had a ropey start to the season well, you know, I was going to say in fairness to Ryan you know, Edwards at the start of the season and during the bad run he was part of the problem but like good players and leaders because they're all human they all have bad spells in uh-huh. their career he's been part of the solution as well. And that's what you want from a player, isn't it? Yeah, perfectly put. You know, he's, I would say it's low key in terms of his improvement. He's just quietly been, you know, uh, upturned his form. But I think now that there's a wee bit of spotlight being put on this defensive record, I think people are realising in hindsight just how important Ryan Edwards and ever present in that back three has been to this overall improvement because he is the talker, he's the organiser in there. And... Um, yeah, I think he's been a big part of the improvement and I would expect a couple more wins, a wee bit more of a rise away from the bottom of the league and I would imagine he'd be one of those guys that they would be very keen to talk to because I think now that he's been here for a few years, approaching 100 games, he's you know had his highs and lows this season. Maybe some fans would shrug and say, oh, would it be a disaster if he was to go? Would it he's your linchpin centre-half and captain. I would suggest not to take that sort of thing for granted. Yeah. He could be the sort of player that you maybe wouldn't appreciate until he's gone um, in terms of his role at the club and also what he brings in the pitch. It's Dundee United, you know, since you know 2009-2010 when they won the Scottish Cup. Since then, they've not had a constant stream of fantastic centre-halves. No. So I think it's easy to, you know, underestimate just how good Ryan Edwards has been over a concerted period of time in terms of his consistency and his qualities that he brings to the table. So, as is probably shining through, I, I, I think he's a, a good player and a, a good a character. Job. And uh, I would expect... Yeah, I would expect and conversations you, to happen. George, George and Alan won't remember this pair. And I, I mean, I, I had it before. I remember I had it with Jason DeVos, who I, I, I loved as a guy and he was a decent player, but um, United's PR man at the time was a friend of mine. And he, he said, are you ever going to praise him? And for people my age and older, I said, well, I watched Hegarty and Neri, mm. so it's hard to praise a Dundee United centre-half when you're our age. And mm. I think there's still a lingering... Yeah, legacy from that. It's a difficult <coughs> position to play at Dundee yeah, that's, United. That's, that's a Richard ve- Goff as well. That's a very good point. Yeah, we look back to that year when they had 
you know, real high. World class central defender. You had a world class central defender who had yes. to play it right back in Richard Goff. Yes, yeah, you know, but um, yeah, Jason DeVos was a fine player as well. And they've had a few over the years, but Ryan Edwards has been a huge success. Was it Mickey, Mickey Mellon that brought him mm. up? Was it? I think it might have been, yeah. Um, I like Ryan Edwards. As a you know, as a player, what's not to like about him? He, you know, he's he's got the stature of a Zeke. You know, as as Alan says, he's vocal. He, he he gives the team instructions. You know, he drives the team on. He's not frightened to put a tackle in. He gets the occasional goal. What's not yeah. what's not to like about him? And, and but what I will say is, modern day football it's very rare for a player to stay at a club more yeah. than two or three years now, unless your name's Cammy Kerr. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> You just never know what can happen, and uh, you know with, with sort of with players. You know, he, you know his, his family are down south as well. Obviously, is, is where he's from. So, if you got a decent offer to go back down there, would he be tempted? But then that, that's where, when the contract discussions have to take place. Don't you think they've got to make make him a deal that they can afford first and foremost, but that reflects what they can get out of him. They sign him and get another three years of him, Tom. I mean, they'd be doing very well because he he, he has been. You take away the sort of first two or three months of the season when United were in real trouble. Uh-huh. He has been one of the stars of Dundee United, but of the Premier League as well. He's been one yeah. of the solid set of halves going around. Just to sort of put a bow on this chat, I would also say it's worthwhile protecting the investment because although it's always had a tough start to the season, which maybe had people questioning his ability, I was you know over for pre-season and uh, with Dundee United and I remember sitting down with Jack Ross and asking him about interest from Charlton Athletic for mm-hmm. Ryan Edwards he was attracting interest such was his performances towards the tail end of last season and, and overall last season so Mickey Mellon tried to take him as well didn't he exactly so yeah. I think there's also a factor that if you get him tied down to another two or three years and he gets back to his top form it's absolutely mm. believable that somebody from the championship or League One would say, yeah. "Here's two hundred grand," mm. and and you could, you know, perhaps you know make a little uh, recompense for him. So you know, ha- him having been here so long, you could still reap a, a return for his investment because it would be a shame if you were to see him leave for nothing. That's another aspect of this. And the thing that I mean, we're we're in, almost in danger of getting carried away about United. And you look at the league, and they're only three points above Ross County. But it interests me that. Obviously, Ross County are in crisis because they're bottom of the league. Any club that's bottom of the league is. But you you look at the three teams above them, and certainly Hibs and Motherwell, much more focus is, is rightly on the problems they're having just now because mm-hmm. they, they, they both look like they're in free fall. And it says a lot for the, for the work that Liam Fox and the players have put in in the last wee while. Folk aren't really speaking about United as being one of the relegation candidates right now. It's a preposterous league. You know, mm. we were sitting here with the league table in front of us, and it's be absolute nonsense for us to. I mean, aside from Ross County, it's hard to even pick who's in a relegation battle. I mean, the answer is everyone and no one at, at the mm. moment. It's it's staggering. Dundee United are, you know, what seven points off Aberdeen. I mean, in fourth place. It's it is a absolute nonsense of a league. Um, parity is reigning uh, aside from the top three. Um, so it is. Inc- you actually look. I look at it again. Looking at the table, Livingston in a sixth place, and being an astute manager and knowing his club, I bet you David Martindale's concentration just now is getting away from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. And in the top half of the table, of and he's, he's quite. He's he's quite right. Yeah. It's the ones. I, I mean, I, I fear in a way for Hibs. Mm-hmm. Because their fans are wanting a top four finish. At this moment in time, momentum is such a big thing because you look at that league table and it is entirely up to your own uh, your own mindset whether you're thinking we're looking up or we're looking down. And your mindset is dictated with your form at the mm. moment. That's why people aren't necessarily talking, oh, Dundee United are going down, Dundee United are in a relegation scrap, because the momentum feels like they should be mm-hmm. looking up. Whereas if you're Hibs... If your mother will, the momentum feels like it's going the other way, and all of a sudden you're looking down at how tight the league is. So it's all it's all perspective because in terms of the raw data of the league, the pure numbers, as I say, everyone is in a relegation battle, and no one is yeah. in a relegation battle. It's it's amazing. And getting carried away as usual, having had great success with my United predictions over the festive season. Here's one for you: a decent performance against Rangers on Sunday, whatever the. Uh, match result then they've got Hibs after that the, as I say decent performance against Rangers then beat Hibs at Easter Road mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, United are United are heading up, yeah. and Hibs are in big trouble. Yeah, well, the, the first, firstly, Rangers. <clears throat> it's an intriguing game because you've got the form team, Dundee United, in, in that group of teams that they're in amongst yeah. them, the bottom six, and you've got a new Rangers team. I don't think they're fa <coughs> fantastic, Tom. I think they've still got issues at Ibrox. But what you're seeing now is some of the players have taken a kick up the backside and realised they're playing for contracts. They realise yeah. that Beal is going to change things around substantially and they're going to have to get their fingers out or they'll be out the door. And you've seen that reflected in the results. And again, they're another team that were in a whisker, you know, getting beaten Celtic at, at the weekend there. And that would have been, I think, four wins on the trot for Beal. So it's, you're not going to get... Normally when the old firm come to Tardis, I fear more when it's Celtic for obvious reasons yeah. because Celtic are relentless in their passing driving forward and, and they just go for it whereas Rangers will maybe give you a bit of breathing space now and again I don't see that happening on Sunday I think Rangers now under Michael Beale I'll be, I'll be tasked with getting forward as quickly as possible and putting United under all sorts of pressure and we'll, I'll be a real test we've seen United having two clean sheets I'll be a real test not just of their ability but of their, their mental strength to, to endure prolonged periods of pressure and if they can do that against Rangers, and they've shown they can do it in the past, if they can do mm -hmm. it against Rangers, we will begin to see United have really turned the corner. If you can do that, and you know, you, you don't crumble, if you, every team can lose a goal, but if you lose a goal, make sure you don't lose a second one right on the back of it. Yeah. Keep yourself in the game, give yourself an opportunity, and come out that game with a positive time. It might not be three points, it mm -hmm. might not be one point, but take a positive, take that momentum that you've built through those last three games, picking up seven points, make sure that you've still got something of that going away to Easter Road for, for you know, a game where you can pick up points. Yeah. Cog cognizant of time getting on, I know you both uh, will be itching to talk about Dundee, but I would just, to, to put up, well, you know, to, <laughs> to, 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 to end this, but I, I mean, I would just point out, really excited about these two visits to, to Tanadice of, of Rangers and Celtic, because yeah. under Liam Fox, you know, I was at uh, Ibrox and at Celtic Park for the last visits, and was really impressed with the way Liam Fox set up his team. He seemed to have a really good knack of negating them whilst you know looking to be dangerous. As I've said before, I think they were five minutes away from grabbing an equaliser at Ibrox, and if the game was five minutes short, or would have got a point at Celtic Park, which you know, teams have, have really, really found it tough to do. So um, on their own patch, with their own fans behind them, I'm really excited to see about how they approach the, this task, um, well, these two tasks, and especially against Rangers. Um, you know, having been unbeaten against them at Tannadice last season, there yeah. is no reason why they should be approaching this with fear. Just That's a funny go for one it. to predict on Sunday, because looking at the old firm game, Rangers were dominated, then they dominated, and then they couldn't keep a clean sheet for mm. the last 10 minutes. And, and uh, it's like... Everything's possible. Usually you go into mm. an old firm game thinking, mm, just keep it respectable. But uh, it could be a tough, tough game and it could be a game of opportunity as well, couldn't it? Well, it's good that Dundee United fans can approach it with excitement rather than trepidation. How many times this okay. season have they approached games and thought... I, I mean, I remember going to Celtic Park and all the discourse before it where the Celtic could hit 10. You know, mm. having, you know, you know, United ship nine at, at Tannadice. So, oh, no, to, oh, maybe. Exactly, exactly. A, a game against the old and that's I know it's the hope that kills you, but, you know, uh, at least we can welcome <laughs> back some of that hope. Well, George, happy new year, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what on earth was that on Monday? I don't know. It, it looked For like a hangover. Who've been on a different planet. <laughs> I know. Another man sent off an, another fantastic fight back. And then chucked it away. And then he chucked it all away and got beat 4-2 by Arbroath. Now, I don't, uh, I don't like to be doom and gloom. Bam! <laughs> and Bear will remember this. Remember Dundee under Jockey Scott in 2012, was it? When they were hot, hot, or 10 even. When they were, anyway, when they were hot, hot promotion favourites. Super run by Inverness at the end of that season earned them promotion instead of Dundee. But Dundee dropped points to the bottom team, Airdrie, that season. And that, ultimately, that, that's what cost them promotion. Now, Arbroath are not the bottom team, but Arbroath have been struggling and Dundee have already dropped four points to them. Mm. Now, Arbroath had only scored seven goals away from home before that game and scored four at Dundee. Just... How can you go to air yeah. and play over an hour with 10 men and <laughs> not lose a goal? They, even at 0-0, um, I didn't think they were they were good. I don't know about you, Bear, but I thought they were really struggling to keep possession and our both were 
really in their faces and making life really difficult for them. Uh, Dundee just couldn't get anything going at the top end of the park. Um, and then... Did they the in the first five They did. Minutes. And it was pretty tight watching it again. Um, which would have settled them down, I'm sure. And McMullen... McMullen was the one kind of bright light. We'll maybe talk about him later. But set pieces, though. Three of them were direct from set pieces, the goals. A free kick and two corners. And Dundee have been really good at both ends of the part of set pieces all season. Uh, but they do have games where it... Yeah, when it goes wrong, uh, it really goes uh, wrong. Uh, yeah. It seems to just be the way this season. I'm not, I'm not sure why. So it's all about how they respond, I guess, on Friday night. It's a, it's a, I think it's a huge game now for them to, to... On TV as well, to kind of show that they, they are a proper team that can be considered for winning this division. But yeah, they have to be. But I mean, I must admit, I have to, again, be, having that ability to turn gloom and doom into a long-term thing. The thing that occurred to me is, even if they bounce back from this, a result like that does put a cloud over the sort. Well, you're like, well, what's going to happen if they get promoted <laughs> with that squad? If they can lose like that to to a team in the chat, and it's not because I'm not having a go at Arbroath in any way. It's a team that's having a bad season in the Championship. Mm-hmm shouldn't beat a no. team with Premier League hopes that, so yeah, heavily. Yeah, I mean, what I would say, I mean, Dundee shot themselves in the foot. I mean, they shot, shot themselves in both feet. And, <laughs> and in the arms and the, the backs of the legs. Everything they did, you know, it was... Uh, and unfortunately for Dundee, it, you know, <clears throat> there was a bumper crowd. Above, when I say bumper, it was probably a thousand on the gate, maybe a bit more. Arbroath had a decent support as well. And, you know, and... Dundee fans have become accustomed to that. Just when you think they've got it cracked, yeah. they're going through in a performance like that. Um, there was I a suppose few we should say well done to Arbroath yeah, because a lot, lot of teams yeah. that have had the season they've yeah. had wouldn't have wanted to go to Dens. Yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's a couple of things there. I mean, Dundee did incredibly poorly at set plays and George is right, you know, three of the, fo- the first, well, three of the goals were from, from set plays. But it was a first header. If you look at the set plays, the first one, the, the, the free kick comes in. It's well short of the box, and I think mm. it's Michael McKenna gets a glancing header on. I think Adam Legsden should do better. I, I haven't, haven't seen it again. I've got to see it either. At the time, I, I thought the same at the time. He misjudges yeah. the bounce a wee bit. Um, the second one is a near post flick on, and, and they're not marking. They're, they're all marking, mm. picking up in the six yard box, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a near post, maybe middle of the, of the, the box. Thing and, and the boy Colin Hampton runs in and that's but, common that like Colin Hampton does just throws his body at it and, and well, it, I, well I th- I'm pretty sure that Williamson kicks it off booted it yeah, off his face chest, basically yeah, yeah, and I, it went in the goal so I, I, th- I think it was about that but Colin yeah. Hampton scored a goal like that at Dens before it, uh, so you know and then Ben Williamson who I've been singing his praises Tom I think he's, he, he's really come on and shown himself to be a real player for Dundee and doing good things R- reckless Both reckless yet. decision Both. first yellow card yeah. was a poor decision but then when he's on a book and he simply cannot make a challenge that he made he, I mean the Arbroath players I, I think the referee was unsure at the time over it I think he, he didn't haul a card out straight away the Arbroath players surrounded him the guy was still on the ground I think he had a word with the linesman and went yeah that's, that's definitely worth a book and I thought it might have been worth a book and it looked reckless to me and he's off and it doesn't matter how good a team you are in that league if you go down to 10 men you have got a yeah. big big problem mm. And we've, I mean, fair play to the guys. They're two nothing down, and they clawed themselves back into that game. And it twos up, and they go. Apparently, there's real sort of buzz around the stadium, thinking Dundee can actually maybe go on and win this game. But they never gave themselves a chance. No, Arbroath go right apart, they get a corner again. Poor marking. If you're going to pick up anybody at Arbroath, Tam O'Brien's the boy mm. to pick up because he can header a ball. Yeah. And he gets off his man and bullets a header in. And don't need a couple of chances after that, but, but you know that really knocked the wind right out of their sails. And as you see, you talk about uh, our both, you shouldn't be losing our both. Remember, they've lost the Cove as well. Yeah, yeah. they shipped four goals up at Cove, so there's something about them that you know, while they've been going well, they've still got that in the locker. Now, as George has pointed out, the big thing about that is how do you respond over the next few games? If they get back on the bus and start picking up points again, then you go, well, that was just a blip. If it suddenly becomes another defeat mm-hmm. at Raythland, they've, they've got an issue. You mentioned going back to Jockey Scott, Inverness went on a brilliant run, mm-hmm. you know, And but at that time, Inverness, I see Inverness were a strong, powerful side. I don't see a team like that in no. this league, but I'm beginning to get concerned <laughs> with Queen's Park. 
that just keeps I've scoring not, goals. I've yeah. not seen much of them. And also, there's and talk about Queen's yeah. Park spending money in January. Yeah. You don't want to hand them no. top place in the league right no. at the start of January. No. That, Maybe that, persuades them to open their wallets. Mm. That's that's right. You're, you're absolutely buying on with that. So we'll see how it goes at rate of what a great opportunity to get back on top. Go back on top before everybody exactly. plays on yeah. Saturday and put the message out. Hey, we've got to be from our bro, but we're not going away. We had a run there where we're unbeaten in 10. What seven wins on the spin? You know, and, and get yourself back in there again and get and get moving again in the right direction. There will be changes. Obviously, Josh Mulligan suspended. Ben Williamson's going to be suspended. I think Gary Boyer has got an issue with and, and these boys are going to feel it because they're, they're going to struggle to get back in that team. But they must keep 11 men on, on the park. Yeah. Sean, Sean Byrne came... You know who felt sorry for, Tam, against our growth? Finn Robertson got a start. And it was a great opportunity for him to go and show what he can do. But as soon as Williamson goes off, he's left with far too much to do in, that, in the middle yeah. of that park. And he found it really difficult to get any sort of foothold on the ball. And mm. he was doing a lot of chasing around, which, which he did. But he, we never saw the best of Finn Robertson. I hope he gets another opportunity. But I think we saw... Uh, Sean Byrne come back in and I wouldn't be surprised to see him start the game against Wraith Rovers on uh, Friday night. One thing I'm concerned about is there isn't any sign of Zach Robinson. He wasn't on the bench on... Uh, yeah, it's, um, his hamstring's fine. It's illness that's right, been okay. sticking around, it's I think. a long time he's, I know. he's not played now. It's so it's, time. Well, it's over, it's over six weeks, so yeah, almost so seven weeks now. They could do him getting back. I mean, yeah. Take a couple of ibuprofen, yeah. laddie. Get on, on but, that. But a real shock, but as George says, the, the main thing is the, the response. Yeah, there, there has to be a response. Actually, I'm, I'm sitting here, I mentioned Queen's Park going top of the league. And hey, I've, all, I've always had a soft spot for Queen's Park, particularly when they were amateurs and me, Simon Murray, great lads, doing great for them. But is there, is there a chance for Dundee to get a few loans here on the basis of no many Premier League teams are wanting Queen's Park? And, and it's, no, <laughs> it's business. I mean, especially if Ross County go down, there'll be a few relieved club treasurers. Yeah. Because you do not want, especially this time of year when the season ticket money's been spent, Ross County at home on a Wednesday night. No cash through the, at the away end of your ground. Queen's Park, no fans. No. And it's, it's got to be about sport yeah, and achievement. And it's on merit and well done to them if they're the team that goes up. But from a business point of view, there'll be a few teams already in the Premier League going, get your act together, Dundee, eh? <laughs> Well, I mean, we know for a fact, I mean, our, our former colleague Jim Marson always said that, that, you know, the Browns up in Perth always wanted both Dundee teams yeah. in the Premier mm -hmm. League for obvious reasons, Tom, because of the, the income they generated. It was almost, you know, like a derby match for, well, it is a derby, but the, the money they generated was something as good as, and beyond what the old firm bring, you know, you saw that at, at St Johnston, mm -hmm. you know, when United up there. Up on, uh, the late Ed, Eddie Thompson used to say to me, I do not ever want to see Dundee relegated because Wait. with the TV scheduling of old firm games, a Dundee derby oh, yeah. is the biggest game for it's Dundee not, and Dundee United. It's not just former owners that have said that. Mark Ogren said exactly that when we sat down with him last season. Dundee were in the midst of a relegation fight and he said categorically, I yeah. do not want mm. Dundee to get no. relegated. And obviously it raises a few eyebrows across the road and among the fans. But as far as a football club's perspective, and I think, I think... A lot of fans, even though it might not always be the noisiest, angriest fans, I think a lot of United fans want Dundee in the same division. Mm. They won't enjoy the party of Dundee getting promoted. They won't enjoy the fact that their rivals are, are, are loving life as, as it may be. But in but terms of... Enjoy the three points. Exactly. Get it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they'll, bitterly. they'll enjoy it. Uh, yeah, they'll enjoy the prospect of, of leaving... Uh, United don't mark a derby at Dens down as a derby at Dens. They just put three points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tempting fate because these recordings can come back to on you. <laughs> I wish they would, but they never do. But I mean, there's something to look at and it's... <laughs> So what I'm saying, George, hopefully other clubs around around the world go, we need Dundee up. Well, start giving them players. But also, hopefully, are Dundee going to do something this window? Well, the Gary Boyer certainly wants to do some. Um, whether he, he's given the backing to do that, we'll have to wait and it see. Does it does occur to me after last season, why does a Dundee manager want to be given good funds in January? Because it usually means you're getting a sack the first week in February. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's a I fair point. Said, you, you, we've seen it in the past, though, where when they've been in a relegation struggle, 
the board have dipped right into their pocket uh-huh. and allowed managers to completely change the team, bringing multiple players, and it hasn't worked. I've got to say. Well, maybe that's the, the but, that's the warning they've, but they've thought. Oh, it doesn't work. But surely, as an investment, I mean, Gary Boyer won't be looking for, you know, dozens of players coming in. No, or, you know, or, or you know, multiple players. I think just one or two in the right. Yeah. Like, and it could make a hell of a difference it could make be the difference between Dundee just edging ahead of this because it's tight mm-hmm. it could be just getting there with, without you know having to worry about you know last game scenario and things like that that's all it takes as long as you can get there you know on your own volition and uh, one or two players in the right in the right position could just do that for them everything, like, everything is a mathematical calculation is, and, yeah. and you would imagine that when you do the maths a couple of players as Bear rightly says just to get that squad balanced and get a yep. wee bit of additional yep. quality in there factored in against the prospect of not getting promoted exactly. the, the maths have got to be yeah. a no brainer yeah. 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 if you back yourself to get promotion is this not the time you start building for next season Look at, look at the mess Nottingham Forest were at the start of the season by hmm. signing two whole teams. He, they, there's only so many players a manager can fit in as new arrivals at one time. So if you do it over two windows, more chance of success. Particularly with the number of players that are out of contract yeah. in, the, in the summer. It's basically the whole squad's out of contract in the summer. So there's a fair chance that a whole lot of players are, are disappearing and you don't you don't want to have to do a Nottingham Forest where you buy a whole team because they, they came up with a load of loan players basically yeah and obviously couldn't keep them so they had to go had to go and do that Dundee well hopefully they find themselves in that similar kind of situation because they're, they're coming up to the top flight but it's, it's Gary Borey was certainly extremely frustrated in the summer that they couldn't bring in more players he wanted to put his own stamp on the team he said that a few times and it's no different now um, whether he needs to get players out the door first he says he's never been told that, but it does feel that way. That I think the now well, you tend to believe him because would he have, would he have come up from England on the basis of I need to get players yeah. in before I can get players in? New managers usually expect to be given some sort of budget yeah. to put their own stamp on the squad. It does feel that way though because they didn't manage to really get anyone out and. They didn't. They only brought in Tyler French, and and then Derek Ossie was it was a late one after the, after the window. Uh, and in fairness to the, the Dundee owners, they're still they're still early in the window. But mm. you sort you sort of feel that if you've got ambitions to establish establish yourself in the top flight, exactly. So it feels like yeah. strength in the squad. It feels like they're due a good window. It feels like in yeah. the last couple of it feels like since I've worked here, uh, <laughs> come the the following day after the transfer deadline, I'm coming in and joking with George about yeah. a hellish midnight glee finish. In his voice, yeah. and, but it is. It always it seems to be. And listen, Dundee United's recruitment isn't perfect, but it does always seem to be that that these transfer windows end with a rather shambolic yeah, match rush. Two, two in a row. Were, so yeah. it's surely... No, it's surely, the January transfer window it ends. It's the who can we get in the final <laughs> few days. But in all seriousness, sh- I mean, you you would assume that lessons need to be learned and, mm. and you know, there'd be a degree of proactiveness in this window and well, try and yeah. get business done early. I think they have tried to put things in place to with the, the new head of recruitment and yeah. that team to take the weight off that sort of thing but Gary Boyer said he's, he's had a couple of targets um, heading into the window but things change mm. and circumstances change he, 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 well he was talking about his experience down south that you think he's a player I'm going to go for because he's not playing and then suddenly there's so many games at Christmas that he yeah, ends up coming in and doing well <laughs> and then suddenly he's not available anymore so uh, heading up to speak to him after we record this so Hopefully there might be some good news on that front. I'm expecting some sort of news on Niall McGinn's situation. Um, looks like Glen Torren are interested in taking him across the water to Northern Ireland. So, um, and I'm sure Dundee would be quite happy to. Uh, be a big. I mean that that would surely free, free up. up room. You'd think, and there's the obviously he's not in a great situation because he's not playing. Uh, whatever's happened. Uh, behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff he hasn't played since September that's no good for a player yeah well, His whatever the situation you, you don't like to see not not because it's Dundee but you don't like to see a player that's had a, mm-hmm. a very decent career yeah. <clears throat> sort of finish on a sour note yeah Ronaldo 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Neil McGowan, and, and unfortunately that hasn't worked out with Dench for for a number of reasons. Um, mainly because he hasn't he hasn't performed as well as some of the guys that have come in and, and done it. We've seen mm. the resurgence of guys like Luke McEwen's come in and and as uh, in, in spells has done really well. You know, we've seen the rise of Lyle Cameron coming on. Paul McMahon has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. You know, that's another side of the coin. A man who is coming in. When I was out between Christmas and New Year on one of my annual days out, and there were the United fans were there was a few of them moaning, still not happy yeah. that United looked Paul McMullen go. Yeah, no, he's just. I mean, he's now added the goals. Yeah. To the game, George. Stop hitting said, the crossbar. The, yeah. The, the work he's putting in, and I always thought he had a goal in him, but he just yeah. kind of stopped scoring now, which is brilliant because a player of that work rate, and you know, I, I still think he, he can improve. There's no doubt about that. But at that level, you know, he brings so much to yeah. Dundee Football Club, and now he's adding goals to that. You know, like you say, one or two signings in the right areas, will make a hell of right. a difference. Well, to the, that's the thing. On on Monday, as, as poor as Dundee had been, I thought they could win that game. Yeah. I, I actually saw the wood go on when it went, right. went to each because they had Paul McMahon. Can I just say something? After, and they've got those yeah. players though, don't they? Yeah. Can I just say, after when, when uh, Zach Rudden scored the penalty, Zach Rudden went and did, started dancing behind the goal, <laughs> you know, after he scored. And the rest of the Dundee team never came to him and no. to celebrate. They were back at the halfway and said, yeah. let's go, let's go, we're going for three here, you know. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, it just completely imploded on them. But... Um, yeah, I mean, the good thing from, from Gary Boyer's perspective is you've, you've got, obviously, Josh Mulligan suspended. Uh, you, you're going to have Ben Williams. No, it's not a good thing. I was going to say, yeah. Wiley has Mulligan. Josh Mulligan, Beard does not love you. Wiley has Mulligan. I like Josh Mulligan. Wiley has Mulligan suspended. He's got Williams suspended. Zach Robinson has been out long-term. Paul McGowan's been out long-term injured. He's still got about six or seven first-team players yeah. on the bench. Yeah. So that shows you where Dundee are yeah. at. But it's just, it's just getting them in the, you know, one or two in the right ears would make, I think, would be hugely beneficial. And George, it's still more weird. It's gloom and doom because it was such a disappointment on uh, Monday. But there's still a squad that's capable of going on another sort of seven-game mm-hmm. run. Definitely. Uh, the, um, Unfortunately, it- that, would, that would involve winning in the... Challenge Cup and the Scottish Cup, which see when, when Dundee are in the Championship, I would pull out these competitions. <laughs> Just get up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the Challenge Cup one would be interesting. Obviously, James would be yeah. coming back to Dens Park. A, there's a sentence you never thought you'd yeah. hear. The Challenge Cup will be interesting. Yeah. Um, that's, he, that's a shout. Like he'll be he'll fired be right up. up for it. He'll be, he'll play it down because he's got a lot of respect for Dundee yeah. and a lot of love for mm-hmm. that football club, but. Make no mistake whatsoever, he will be absolutely... He remains steadfast that he would have kept that club up and he will be determined to go back there and win that football yeah, match. Definitely. He, he was actually he was at the game on Saturday. Um, oh. Spotted him from afar. Um, obviously, because their game was off. So the, the, he'll already been putting the work in to, to figure out how to yeah. get the better of his old team. But No, so he shouldn't. As Alan says, so he should be fired up. Because let's be honest, let, uh, uh, Dundee are will always be my team but not for the first time and possibly not for the last time they didn't deal with the departure of a manager very well when James McPake went that's putting it mildly I would think it was pretty horrendous the time particularly the timing of yeah. it letting, as you mentioned before letting him have a whole transfer window and then saying nah goodbye a and couple of weeks later basically replaced him with a man who'd retired <laughs> Yeah, with a six-game ban as well. Me, but I'll go to Ray Throvers tomorrow and write the write the match report for you. you know, you'd, you'd be happy. You about can if that. you want. Yeah. I, mean, that's like, I mean, it's ludicrous. It's, ludicrous. Yeah, it's, I mean, pretty much. it's, it's not it's not what I do anymore. So why did you get rid of a young manager <laughs> that you'd given money and replaced him with an old codger like me? Well, hopefully, no offense to yeah. Mark, Mark McGee, but he'd had his time. Well, hopefully Dundee don't do that again. And. As, as you say, you don't do that anymore. Hopefully Dundee don't do that anymore. <laughs> but hopefully Dundee get back to the one of ways. By the way, I didn't do it very often when I was made. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your what, question three questions ago, I think, there's a reason Dundee were nine games unbeaten in the championship and are won seven games in a row. It's because they're, they're a good team. Yeah. Um, so that they don't lose that in one game. Hopefully they don't lose that in one game. Kick up the backside never hurts. Yeah. I always find because see if you're a team like Depends Dun- how hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're a team like Dundee and I, I wouldn't 
accuse anyone. I don't know the situation well enough to accuse anyone of complacency. But you know, if you know you've probably got the best squad in the division, you know you're the biggest club in the division. You're in an unbeaten run. You maybe start to mm. think, listen, we're cruising. This is it. We've got yeah. the momentum. We've yeah, got a winning run. Yeah, we're going up. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. Do you know what? There's maybe no the worst thing in the world yeah. just to get a wee slap and say, by yeah. the way, you need to be at it every game. And there's game. also also the fact that sometimes games conspire against you. Things that go against you. Games. Yeah. Well done. They were poor at set plays. Arbroath capitalised on every single one of them. You know, they scored from, you know, they took every single chance. I think Adam Lex has only made one save. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. as if they were getting card open. The boys scored, boy scored a great goal, the fourth goal, when, when it was, you know, they were had the extra man deep in the, the second half. But uh, other than that, they never they never sort of ran Dundee ragged or anything like that. But three set plays and they've got three goals off of them. Now, hopefully, one, that they're, they're marking tighter. But even if they're, they're not marking tighter, that the opposition don't capitalise and you know, they get back on the bus. And uncertainty around Wraith Rovers' future just now might give them a wee bit of an extra advantage tomorrow. Although when I look at the table, I, I always think, well, Wraith, Wraith are safe. Yeah. Wraith are sort of, in terms of their on the pitch, they're cruising along in mid-table. I don't see the Wraith players being overly concerned about what's happening off the park there yet no, I, 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 I'm looking at this from the outside the long way outside Tom it just seems it seems strange Hong Kong investment and you know and that, that just unsettles clubs I think that, uh, Ian Murray will be doing a good job just to say to the players look forget everything that's going on behind the scenes here we've got a job to do on the park we've got a big enough job we're playing the team that are, we're at the top league we're on a seven game unbeaten run we're going to have our hands full tonight and we're going to have to you know, turn up or we'll get turned over. Forget everything that's happening off the park. You know, and the way we see Wraith are going along nicely, I think there'll be an element among the Wraith support that think we should be doing better than that. We should yeah. be, you know, certainly pushing pushing a wee bit harder than they are. So I expect nothing other than uh, Some of the football game. are capable of. Yeah, expect nothing other than a tough game. They've got one or two two quality players in there, but Dundee have got more quality. So I'm hoping that Dundee can, as I say, say get the points and get themselves back up the top. There'll be another statement. We mentioned about the statement going down to air if they could get that wind down yeah. what it would mean this would be equally as big you've, you've, you've had a real sort of yeah. punch in the nose but you know what we're back at the top we're no stopping that was just one. I was just a we've been knocked down but we're back up this fight's still on you know it's not been it's not, been, it's not a knockout blow ah and it's a, again playing on a Friday night gives them the chance to go over to you yeah and you're going to get so. yourselves back to the top of the league again Put the pressure on. That's that's, that's unless like. unless I've not looked at the fixtures. They're not playing on Friday again, <laughs> Queens Park, because they're, they're like a Friday night in Larbert, don't they? <laughs> in other news, George, I read one of, before you have to go. I read one of your uh, delightful stories just today that uh, Dundee are putting the heating on at Dens. Yeah, it's, it's really um, good move from the club. Really, it's gonna... it to help people that are maybe struggling with the cost of living and exactly. utility bills. Um, listen to Greg Fenton, the general manager at Dundee, needs uh, CEO of the Community Trust as well, on a different podcast, um, the Dundee Fan Podcast. He was talking about that. There's another podcast about Dundee. <laughs> nobody, nobody surely listens. Yeah, um, and obviously they've all moved out to the Garden Campus. The whole club's moved out there, and so they with. A lot of people struggling, worried about putting their heating on, and, and what comes with that ill health and all this extra worry on top of the cost of living crisis. They had a they had a space, Dens Parks, sitting there, doing nothing. Um, so that yeah, I think it's something. To, I, I'm very when it comes to football matters, it's not overegging the fact to say I'm a critic of the people who are in charge at Dundee. But they are human and they do do nice things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- exactly. They didn't, they didn't. And there are there is more important things in football after all. But they do yeah. they do the, the, for a start they pay they they pay the staff's wages on time, which wasn't always the case <laughs> yeah. pre- previously. But they do do nice things. Exactly, and that's uh, it's heartwarming. Pardon the pun, but um, get in there, George. Yeah, um, and it, it's not just for Dundee fans either. It's for, made they made clear that it's for everybody. Uh, there was also an update on the the women's team that are starting to put together the girls' academy and stuff like that. So, new Dundee women's first team, hopefully by 2025. So, that'd be good. another good move for the club. So, th- there is a lot of good stuff going on away from the first team. 
hope the first team can and get the headlines the fir- next well, time. Well, hopefully the first team get back to the good stuff that exactly. they were doing up until Monday. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.